Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Welcome back. I hope everyone has been well. You may have noticed that there has been a longer than usual break between episodes. I apologize, and the only explanation I can offer is that I've been sitting on one particular episode that just isn't ready to be released quite yet, so I'm working on some different episodes, and hopefully we are rolling again. Thank you for waiting for me. I've been thinking about the moon a lot lately, and so I thought it would be interesting to explore an entire category, moon goddesses. Many cultures have moon divinities, and it's easy to see why. Aside from its hypnotic beauty, dominating the night sky, the moon would have been the only source of light once the sun went down every evening thousands of years ago. It makes sense that ancient people would look at Earth's bright and very beneficial satellite and connect it to a beloved or powerful divinity. Modern pagans most commonly associate the moon with female deities and feminine qualities. The strong connection between the length of human menstrual cycles and a lunar cycle make that connection reasonable. But the moon is not exclusively linked to goddesses. During the Bronze Age, many cultures, including Anatolia and Egypt, revered moon gods. The moon is not inherently or exclusively female. Settle down. I know some of us might want to argue that particular point. Does the moon have feminine qualities and feminine energy? I think so. That has been my experience so far. But feminine energy is not exclusively reserved for females. So why should female deities be the only ones connected to those qualities? This podcast, however, not to mention my personal practice, is dedicated to goddesses. So that is where we'll be in this episode. Why are there so many moon goddesses? And exactly how? Are they all connected or assigned to the moon? I certainly won't claim to understand this mystery, but over the years, I found and revisited different ways to understand what I've experienced. My interactions with deities don't often align with how my human brain wants to organize the world and cosmos. It would be much easier if only one goddess were the moon goddess. But goddess devotion isn't exactly convenient. I'll share my thoughts, and if they resonate with you or help you to approach working with divinities, then great. And if not, feel free to leave it. First, do not laugh. But when I started practicing the craft and exploring goddesses, as I would stare entranced by the bright full moon, I often imagined the goddess somehow inhabiting the moon. I was still working with a more Wiccan concept of a single great goddess at the time, and it was helpful for me to imagine her up there. Not to mention that I was fresh out of Protestant Christianity. I had consciously rejected God the Father, but he was still very much present as I tried to understand divinity in ways that were completely foreign to me. Once I began to work with and build relationships with specific goddesses, many of whom were considered lunar goddesses, I couldn't reconcile it. How could so many goddesses quote, rule the moon. I think my mistake was in assuming that all moon deities 
were supposed to rule the actual celestial body of the moon. For example, the Greek goddess Selene, including her Roman identity Luna, is often considered to inhabit or exist as a form of the moon. She's said to sail across the night sky, beaming her light upon us. She is the moon. Or the Chinese goddess Chang'e, who is said to live on the moon. According to their myths, Selene and Chang'e are goddesses of the moon, not just lunar connected or moon adjacent. The moon is directly related to or responsible for their powers and divine nature. But not all moon goddesses are thought to be that closely tied to the moon. These days, I like to think of lunar goddesses that I work with as representative of some or all lunar qualities, but also as having an affinity for lunar energy that allows them to channel and focus that energy so that I can more easily connect with and access it for both personal transformation and magical work. Sometimes when charging a magical object or other spell work beneath the moon, I will call upon a specific moon goddess and think of her adjusting and pointing the moon's beam right towards me and then focusing it powerfully on my work, shining that energy right where I need it to go. Now, there are a lot of ways that a lunar goddess could be connected to the moon. She may have a strong connection to one or more classic lunar qualities, like emotions, mystery, cycles, magic, intuition, femininity. Perhaps, like Morgan Le Fay, she is a shape-shifting and liminal goddess, always moving between one form and another, connecting her to the moon's ever-shifting phases. Or, she may be considered a goddess of night, the moon's domain. Goddesses of the sea are often linked to the moon because of the moon's effect on tides and the element of water. And any goddess who is associated with the astrological sign of cancer is generally said to be connected to the moon. A goddess could gain moon associations because she's one of the many goddesses who have absorbed similar goddesses and taken on qualities which may not have originally been attributed to her. It's said that Artemis, strongly connected to the moon, gained that trait only once she began to take on the identity of Selene. This is one of the places where goddess devotion and historical knowledge meet in very murky waters. I'm not a historian or an academic, but I deeply value the information we get from thorough historical analysis of exactly where and how goddesses were revered in ancient cultures. It forms the basis for so much of our modern magical practices and how we understand the origins of gods and goddesses. At the same time, I try not to be held captive by history. Just as we are so much more than our origins, I thank all of the moon goddesses that I'm not still 21-year-old Patty. I like to believe gods are capable of progression and expansion. I'm sometimes surprised by the abilities, aspects, or symbols they reveal in our interactions. Information that is not always mentioned or approved by the usual texts. Hecate, for example. I'm aware of her more widely recognized animal symbols, including snakes, black dogs, even bulls and horses. And yet, I always felt an alignment with Hecate and owls. Later, as she was beginning to urge me into deeper work with her, I began to encounter owls more and more, 
and suspected these experiences were somehow related to her. Still unsure, because my feeling was not supported in most of her sources, I happened to be listening to a podcast one day. One of the hosts began to speak at length about their experiences with Akate and how owls featured prominently in their work with her. They acknowledged owls weren't among her classic animals, but that didn't prevent them from seeing this connection. Literally, as I was listening to this, I looked out my front door to see a small screech owl in one of my trees. Hikate has definitely made her thoughts known on that, at least as far as it applies to my practice. All of that was a really roundabout way of saying that just because Artemis may have inherited her moon qualities from Selene, it doesn't negate that connection. Countless humans have called on and related to her as a moon goddess over the centuries. Consider, if everyone you knew just assumed that you were a good cook and constantly asked for your help with recipes and cooking, you would probably start to think of yourself as an inherently talented cook. You might even improve your own kitchen skills, thereby proving their expectations of you. Not everyone will agree with this, but I believe that, like humans, Deities and spirits can be affected and even shaped somewhat by the expectations of others. We cannot talk about lunar goddesses without addressing the triple goddess. Triple goddesses are often connected to the moon because of the phases. The new or waxing moon relates to the maiden, full moon relates to the mother, and the waning or dark moon relates to the crone. To be honest, the triple goddess is widely mistaken by modern pagans and witches as a historical form of the goddess. Poet and writer Robert Graves claimed there was a historical basis for the triple goddess, and he worked this concept into a lot of his writing, but much of his work has been discounted by academics. Modern pagans, however, have continued to widely accept this largely poetic invention Graves presented the triple goddess as three forms or phases of female life, usually maiden, mother, and crone. There are some variations on that that also represented major life themes like youth, creation, and death. A well-intentioned attempt at personifying the divine feminine, but I really believe we're ready to move beyond it. Also, we have to note that the maiden, mother, crone, triple goddess does not apply to all triform goddesses. There are many goddesses who contain three aspects and may be called three-form or triple goddesses, but their three aspects are not the maiden, mother, and crone. This right here could be why a lot of people have the triple goddess as his being historically valid. Widely revered goddesses like the Morgan, Breed, and Hecate are considered three-form goddesses who are not maiden, mother, and crone. However, because of a very broad misunderstanding of Graves' triple goddess, many sources have referred to them this way, and therefore the misunderstanding just keeps spreading. The maiden, mother, and crone labels have been slapped on these goddesses relatively recently and are not part of their historical origins. Historically accurate or not, I'm not a big fan of the Triple Goddess show. On the surface, it appears to be about elevating women to a position of empowerment. But when we look a little closer, it's a weak attempt by a white man in the height of patriarchy to romanticize women as no more than the sum of their parts, 
namely their reproductive parts. Here, ladies, let's reinforce the idea that you were born to be youthful and attractive, to be fucked, and then to bear and raise our children. After that, you can fuck off and be the scary hag we warn naughty children about. I know a lot of triple goddess devotees include traits like wisdom and maturity in the role of the crone, but it still seems like the label relegates women past childbearing age out of the spotlight to pass their remaining years as the spent husks of womanhood. Aside from the incredibly dismissive way the triple goddess idea treats older women, there's a huge issue of defining womanhood solely by the acts of reproduction and motherhood. I guess it bears repeating, not all women get the opportunity to be mothers for a multitude of reasons. Not all women have the reproductive organs necessary to conceive and carry children. And not all women desire motherhood. Listen, I'm not saying that everyone who relates to the divine feminine in the form of the triple goddess is wrong or misogynistic. I can see the appeal. But I think that we can do better than modeling our goddess experience on something that dismisses so much of femininity and misses out on so much of the vast potential of goddess reverence. We could do an entire episode on the triple goddess. No, maybe I will. As I mentioned earlier, there are more moon goddesses than we can cover here, but I'm going to list just a few. Arianrod, Artemis, Artempasa, Ania, Bendis, Bast, Keridwin, Chonga, Diana, Galetti, Hecate, Inanna, Lilith, Luna, Marama, Morgan Le Fay, Rhiannon, Selene, Shakti, and Yamaya, to name a few. I recommend researching exactly how a goddess is connected to the moon before calling on that aspect. Lilith, for example, is associated specifically with the energy of the dark moon phase, so she's not exactly a bright full moon gal. How can we work with lunar goddesses? Well, water is a really tangible way to connect with the moon. Think of all of the ways that you can incorporate it into your craft. Water is a cousin or sister to the moon. They speak to and are reflected in one another. The moon's magic is very easily translated to water and liquids, so bodies of water can be used as portals or doorways to connect with moon goddesses or for lunar magic. Of course, if you're landlocked, like me and my other Midwest witches, don't fear. Rivers and streams are also very liminal and watery. And even a simple chalice or cauldron filled with moon water is magically potent. You can connect to a lunar goddess by scrying in a bowl of moon water or by placing fresh water on her altar daily. Don't forget that you probably have a big U-sized portal right in your home. I'm talking about your shower or bathtub. I'm a huge fan of bath rituals. I think they are perfect for self-healing and spells that involve any type of self-transformation. That potential is multiplied when you add a cup's worth of moon water, some herbs, and the intention to evoke the lunar aspect of a goddess into the space. We can also look to a moon goddess's transformative power. The power of transformation can be applied to a lot of our magic, right? But I think lunar goddesses are especially great for self-transformation. The moon turns slowly and steadily, and before we realize it, she's a whole new shape or form. 
You could also get to know a goddess by committing to one lunar cycle with her. Set up a small shrine or altar just for her on the new moon, and commit to spending a few minutes there every day. The time at the altar can be spent leaving offerings, talking to her, or meditating. Try to read and learn more about her throughout the lunation, as well as devote several of your regular meditation sessions to connecting with her energy or focusing on her. Notice, does her energy feel different during different phases? And pay attention because she may give you little assignments or instructions on offerings she'd like. At the end of one moon together, you'll have an idea of whether you'd like to deepen into the relationship. Remember, deities don't usually get offended or bothered if you decide not to pursue the relationship. You're free to walk away, and so is she. If you're intrigued by lunar goddesses and feel drawn to bring the luminous power of the moon into your craft in a more focused way, there are so many magical ways to channel that energy for personal transformation and to empower your spells. I invite you to join my online program, Lunar Witch, The course features nine core video lessons covering the lunar cycle, the varied and powerful gifts of each moon phase, how to best use the magic of each phase in your craft and your daily life, and more, all hosted and easily accessed in a private Facebook group. Once you join, you have lifetime access to our very supportive and very magical community. You have access to the live moon rituals that I lead within the group and to all of the lessons and the bonus content. Bonus content includes extra video lessons about things like different ways to make and use moon water, increasing your psychic skills with the moon, various moon spells, instructions for different moon rituals, and more content is added regularly. It's a newer community, and I would love to get to know some of my witch and goddess people in there. If you visit blackbirdmagic.com, that's magic with a K, and click on the Lunar Witch tab, you'll find details, including the link to enroll. Witch and Goddess listeners can use coupon code WAG20, that's W-A-G-2-0, to save 20% off of the course price. I'd love to hear about your favorite lunar goddesses. Connect with me at Witch and Goddess Pod on Instagram, or leave me a message through the Anchor app. Thank you for listening. May you realize the goddess within and express her without. How does she show up for you? How do you experience her? How are you called to her? You can leave voice messages with your experiences of the goddesses I have covered or general questions and comments about the intersection of goddess work and witchcraft. It's easy to record a voice message for me by going to the Witch and Goddess page on anchor.fm. You'll see a little plus sign icon with the word message. Let me know at the beginning if you'd like me to include the message in an episode. Then just click that baby and talk to me. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe and share this podcast with fellow magical people. You can directly support this show by visiting the Witch and Goddess page at anchor.fm and clicking that support button. Follow the show on Instagram at Witch and Goddess Pod, or find my program's classes and groups at blackbirdmagic.com on Facebook at Blackbird Magic, or email me at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com.